Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. The other host joining me is Danielson. Hello. Now, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that no AI programs were used or harmed in the creation of this episode. The research for this show and all of its work was created solely by humans. If you would like to support the show, then there are a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways to do that is through Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 181 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. Now, to see the full list of Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com and click on the Patreon episodes tab and there will be the entire list of past Patreon episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon exclusive episode which is over Harry Joe Turner and his UFO experience. So you get access to that episode as well as all of the others for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership but you would like to still help us out, then feel free to leave us a written review on iTunes or Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is a Theories Thursday. And if this is your first time ever listening to a Theories Thursday with us. Aaron's going to explain it to you. Damn it. You, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to hand it off to you, but it's okay. I'll explain it. So a Theories Thursday is where Dan and I each select our favorite theory of the week. We don't tell each other about it. We independently research it, and then we bring it to the table and discuss it. Now, the most difficult thing that we have to do on a Theories Thursday is figure out who goes first? Now, we did have a dice that we did roll. We don't have that right now. Oh, I actually have a dice on my phone. I forgot I was about it. I have a dice on random.org right now, too. Oh, okay. Well, let's roll it then. All right, Hold so on, wait. Well, we got to figure out who gets what. Best two out of three. Do you want odds or evens? Give me evens. All right, you want evens. So mm -hmm. best two out of three. So first roll. It is a five. Damn it. You get one. <laughs> All right, rolling again. Four. Ooh, I get one. So it's one, one. All right. Last one. Ooh, sucks. Two. 
Oh, here, just so you know. No, I trust you. I trust you. They were all odds. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. So I guess I go first with my theory. That is correct. I know you were excited about this and you told me not to look up. I think you mentioned like one word. Golf. Golf. And you said, don't you dare look up anything about it. Yeah. I hate golf, by the way. I suck at it. And this topic really... I mean, it has a little bit to do with golf, but it's not like, oh, this person won the PGA Tour in 1996. Oh, I wonder who that was. I don't know who it was. I'm guessing Tiger Woods. He's won like every single one of them, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know either. I like golf to a certain point. I like going to the driving range, and I didn't mind in high school playing, you know, a round of golf, but I was never good at it. Yeah, I suck at it. But it's fun to try every now and then. All right. So my theory's Thursday topic is called Golf Rumors. And it is a mystery that is very, very odd. So to start off my theories Thursday, I need to ask you something, Dan. Okay. Do you know what an iceberg chart is? Yes. Considering I've seen the iceberg charts for conspiracies. Yes. So it's like you got the tip of the iceberg, which is the stuff that everyone sees, easy to find. Then as it goes down deeper into the water, it's the stuff that's harder to find. Or not much information you have to dig deep for. Yeah. I mean, you explained it pretty well. An iceberg chart is a chart that is made using the image of an iceberg. And to people who don't know what it is, it might sound confusing. But to understand this chart, just like Dan was saying, imagine an image that shows an iceberg half submerged in the ocean. Below the half submerged iceberg is the deep, deep ocean that is darker and darker the further you go down. So an individual will take this image that I just described and overlay words on it. At the top of the iceberg are words that describe more obvious things. For an example, it'll have like Mandela effect or simulation theory or other conspiracy theories that individuals have heard of before and are more, you know, common knowledge among individuals who don't even really like conspiracies. So that is the tip of the iceberg. And the further you go down on this chart, the conspiracies become more and more less heard of. And of course, at the very bottom of the iceberg chart will be conspiracies that the majority of individuals never even heard of before, including myself. And I tend to always look up everything that I can find, you know. There's always new iceberg or pyramid conspiracy charts coming out and there's always new stuff added. Yeah. And these charts are not just specifically for conspiracies. People can use them pretty much for anything. You can make an iceberg chart over history, you know, where you place at the top of the chart common known history facts, and then at the bottom, you know, less commonly known facts in history. True. All right. So that is what an iceberg chart is. Now that you are aware of that, let me tell you about what I stumbled upon. So a few years ago, I was looking through these iceberg charts about conspiracies, trying to find some weird and strange topics to cover. I started to notice a trend there was one topic that was consistently showing up at the bottom of these charts. It was golf rumors. So this led me on a journey to figure out what this was all about. And boy, oh boy, was it weird. So my journey into golf rumors began by searching the deep parts of the internet to try and figure out any information as to what this could be. That is when I started noticing another trend Anytime someone would ask about golf rumors, whether it be on a conspiracy subreddit 
or a conspiracy form, someone would almost always respond and tell that individual to not look it up and to stop while they are ahead. Of course, this only led me to dig deeper into trying to figure out what it was all about. So at this point, I decided to try and find out when this topic was first mentioned. So after a lot of digging, I discovered that on Tuesday, December 12th, 2017, at approximately 1.50 p.m., an individual made a post on the website 4chan under its paranormal board, aka paranormal section. They call it a board, but it's just a section. Mm. The post was an image of an individual kayaking inside of a cave, along with the text that stated, and I quote, do not look for golf rumors, do not talk about golf rumors, do not start threads about golf rumors, there is no golf rumors. Search for golf rumors at your own detriment. And I have a screenshot of that actual post that I will post on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, for everyone to take a look at as well as all the other images that we talk about today will be posted up on there. All right, so upon discovering this post and the origins of golf rumors, I started reading all of the comments on it, and I came across some very interesting and odd things. For example, one of the very first comments was, and I quote, I read on here that some female golfer died trying to talk about how there were trafficked children at a U.S. golf open who were with rich golf fans or people who funded the open who were also conducting rituals that weren't too obvious. I have things on my computer at home about it, but I'm at my campus right now. So that was one of the very first comments that was kind of odd. Now, as I continued to read through these comments, there was another one that stated, and I quote, I'm an insider. You guys can start with Erica Blasberg, suicide. I'm risking my ass for saying this, but I want the truth to be exposed. I'll be lurking, over and out. Of course, I thought this comment was strange, so I decided to look into Erica. After doing some reading up on her, I learned that Erica was an American professional golfer who played on the LPGA Tour. She attended the University of Arizona, and was the country's number one ranked college player as a freshman. On May 9th, 2010, officers found Erica dead with a plastic bag secured over her head at her Nevada home. The following day, on May 10th, 2010, her father gave an interview in which he was quoted saying, At first glance, it looks like she might have taken her own life. But at second glance, something is very, very strange about it. So after I came across that comment and looked into this Erica ordeal and her death, I thought, hmm, that's weird, but I'm going to continue reading on through the comments and see what else I can find. I noticed an individual replied to the Erica comment and stated, I'll see what I can dig up. Thanks for the tip. And if this is actually as risky as it seems, I'm all in. I could care less if they try and take me out. Another individual replied to that comment and said, No, I am not sure you should care less about these theories and carrying forward. Please just remember, I told you so. 
because it comes to a lot of these theories and speculations, you might be changed for the worst. Now, on the surface, that reply did not seem that odd. However, I noticed that certain letters in that post were capitalized and certain words were misspelled. For example, the word care, C-A-R-E, the C was capitalized. The word carrying, when he says carrying forward, is spelt with a K. In the next sentence, remember, the R was capitalized. The word because had the letters C and E capitalized in it. And I have a screenshot of that actual comment. And initially I thought, maybe it's just somebody that spelled things wrong. I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. So I took all the capitalized letters and I laid them out and it spelled out Nick Price. And guess what? Nicholas Price is a Zimbabwe retired professional golfer who has won three major championships in his career. The PGA Championship twice in 1992 and the Open Championship in 94. In the mid-90s, Nick Price reached number one in the official world golf ranking. And in 2003, he was inducted into the Golf Hall of Fame. So these weird comments just continued and continued on this post. And many other individuals added their opinions as to what golf rumors could actually be, you know, saying, hey, maybe it has to do with Erica's death. Hey, maybe it has to do with these elites. Maybe it has to do with this, that. And everyone started providing like their own proof, with some even providing proof that, hey, there's certain CIA documents that back my comment up, you know, not as in mine, but as what the person's saying. So needless to say, it was a very interesting read. And after diving deep into it, I could not come to one solid conclusion as to what golf rumors is about. However, I was able to possibly narrow it down to being one of four theories. So the first possible theory as to what golf rumors could be is called the 2009 PGA Tournament. So this theory states that during the 2009 PGA Golf Tour, a female journalist working for Politico decided to attend an after party. At this party, the journalist started noticing high up golfers and other political and influential individuals going into the basement of this party. The journalist decided to walk down into the basement to see what was going on and was shocked at what she discovered. Taking place in the middle of the basement was an occult ritual involving the sacrifice of children and other various activities. The journalist, of course, was terrified and left the party. Upon arriving back home, she decided to write about the event and what took place in the basement and then posted it on Politico. However, once published, the story only stayed online for a few minutes until it was removed. Supposedly, even though the article was removed, individuals were able to read the story and after it was deleted, it ended up becoming the only thing that people talked about on golf forums. Now, the high up golf and political and other individuals who were named in this story were extremely upset. And the journalists ended up hearing rumors that they were talking about her and saying that, hey, she's going to be involved in an unfortunate event in the future. So she assumed that, hey, I'm, I'm getting whacked for what I wrote about. Now, at the same time, the posts on the golf forums discussing this story, those posts started to disappear. 
So all their archives were disappearing. However, the golf community was still trying to discuss the story, even though it was being white left and right and wherever it showed up. The very next day is when the Tiger Woods sex scandal broke. It was at this point that everyone, not only in the golfing community, but almost in the entire world, started to talk about this scandal rather than what the journalist published only a few days prior. But that is what the first theory is. Basically, a journalist discovered that a bunch of golf people liked to sacrifice children, and the journalist wrote about it. The story was deleted and buried. Then for good measure, uh, the sex scandal involving Tiger Woods magically came to light in order to conceal the satanic story that happened days prior. I didn't hear anything about that satanic thing. All I heard was the sex scandal with Tiger Woods. Yeah, that dominated the news. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's the first theory. Now, the second possible theory as to what golf rumors could be is called the Glass Camera Project. Now, I know this might sound weird and like it has nothing to do with golf rumors, but just stick with me here because it will all come together. I just want to say real quick. Uh -huh. I was originally going to go with that as my theories Thursday. The glass camera project? The glass camera. Damn. That's funny. We're on the same wavelength. All right. So this theory states that in the 1980s and 1990s, the CIA created a top secret project called the glass camera project. Now, the entire purpose of this project was to create undetectable surveillance tools, particularly a camera and microphone system but the CIA didn't want any typical camera or microphone system as a surveillance tool. They wanted something revolutionary. Now, at the time, the CIA was researching remote viewing as well as astral projection. The CIA took what they learned from researching those topics and were able to train certain individuals to not only remotely view a subject, but also project information to a camera in order to create a recording of an event. Now, these individuals who were able to do that were not called remote viewers, but instead were called glass camera operators. Even though what they were doing was remote viewing, it still kind of had a twist. Yeah. They were not only, you know, just viewing an individual or an event or an area, they were actually creating a recording of it as well. Now, doing this supposedly required a large amount of psychic energy and put immense strain on the operator's bodies. For an example, after just one long viewing experience, it was likely that that operator would die. Of course, the CIA began running out of these operators and rumors started to spread in the psychic community about this occurring. So a lot of psychics were like, hey, F this. I'm not going to volunteer to die. However, the CIA would still approach these psychics and ask them to participate in a top secret program, but they wouldn't tell them the specifics of it in order to conceal the risks of it. But if the psychic refused to become an operator, then it was stated that, hey, they were going to be abducted anyway and forced to participate. I bet they didn't see that coming. Now, I know what you might be wondering. What does this have to do with golf rumors? Well. There was an individual named Robert Goff, and in the 1980s, he was supposedly a prominent 
psychic. When the CIA started to become desperate for new psychics, they ended up kidnapping Robert Goff and using him. After he was kidnapped, the CIA wiped all of his records, like they did with all the other kidnapped operators, and it was like he never existed. However, since he was a prominent psychic at the time, people still talked about him. They're like, hey, what happened to him? And that right there is the second possible theory as to what golf rumors could be. Hmm. And as crazy as this theory sounds, there are some CIA documents that sort of back it up. So there is a classified document from 1983 in which the CIA wrote a report on a technique called the Gateway Experience. The Gateway Experience is a training system designed to focus brainwave outputs in order to alter consciousness and ultimately escape the restrictions of time and space. And uh, I have that declassified document and I will post it up on our website for anyone that wants to take a look at it. Very interesting. Yes. And things only become even more odd with this next possible theory as to what golf rumors could be, which this next one is called Global Oscillations at Low Frequencies, a.k.a. Golf. Golf. Now, before I talk about this theory, I have to tell you about SOHO, S-O-H-O, the Solo and Helospheric Observatory Spacecraft. So this spacecraft monitors the sun's atmosphere, surface, and seismology using a wide range of scientific instruments. So back in December of 1995, the European Space Agency launched this SOHO spacecraft into space, and for more than 20 years, it has provided daily data on the sun. All right, now that you know what SOHO is, let me tell you about this theory. So according to this theory, one of the monitoring systems that is done by SOHO is the global oscillations at low frequencies, which I mentioned earlier. Supposedly, this monitoring system revealed some very troubling data about the sun. Due to this, the powers that be decided to cover up this data that was found by the golf system on the SOHO so that there would not be global panic. Now, there are some theories as to what this monitoring system found. One of the theories is that they found life on the sun. Hmm. Another theory is that the monitoring system learned that the sun will die far sooner than we expected it to. That would cause absolute mass panic. Yeah. Another theory is that the sun is actually a living creature. Okay. Eh. As long as it's not messing with us, it's just providing us heat. I'm good with it. You know, I did see a bunch of stuff when I was looking for theories Thursday that people believe that fire is alive, which, I mean, the sun, there's a lot of fire there. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. I can see that, I guess. So, let's talk about the fourth theory, which is a simple one. This theory is that the entire story was fabricated by someone who just wanted to troll people. So, we have four theories. Number one... It was about a journalist discovering a satanic sacrifice, writing about it, only to have the story deleted and buried. Then the Tiger Woods sex scandal comes out to help cover it up too. Could this be what golf rumors is truly about? Or is it theory number two, which is a top secret CIA project involving them modifying remote viewing and the kidnapping of a psychic named Robert Goff? Or is it theory number three that 
a spacecraft monitoring system discovered troubling data about our sun? Or is it theory number four, that the entire story is fabricated by somebody who just wanted to troll people? What do you think, Dan? Mm, that's a tough one, because honestly, maybe that's why they call it golf rumors. Rumors being plural that there are multiple things that fit underneath golf itself. And I guess they just made it into like a group topic of it. Kind of like what you just you know went over all the different theories for it. The last one, I mean, that could be it. Someone just decided to troll, but those first three, though. I mean, the first one, eh, I couldn't find much about it. The second one had the document, the CIA document. The third, there is a spacecraft that does exist that's called the SOHO. It was launched. It was in space for 20 years. It did monitor the sun. I don't know. The first one, though, I don't know why, but I've always had a feeling that like say the PGA tour and such, there's something going on with trafficking children during the tour. I mean, I don't know about trafficking children, just something evil. I don't know why. Just like, I always felt like, cause other than like the Tiger Woods sex scandal, you don't really hear anything going on with golf. And granted, I don't really see golf being that truly exciting. I mean, I think I mean, I w- some people get into it, man. I mean, I've watched the PGA world tour. That was, you know, interesting, but I don't know. I just feel like there's more to it hmm. that we or just don't see. Yeah. But that's just something I think, you know, personally, but. I think the Erica situation that I mentioned that I didn't even include in the theories, that situation in itself is odd. Yeah. She was a young golfer who committed suicide, supposedly, by placing a plastic bag over her head. And by the way, there was a doctor who came to her house who was checking up on her because he hadn't heard from her and he found her dead. And uh, he was indicted in criminal charges. And then got off of them. Really? Mm-hmm. The entire story is odd. But anyways, that right there is Golf Rumors. I hope you all enjoyed it. And that is my Theories Thursday. I liked it. You know, it wasn't just one specific topic. It was grouped up. Mm-hmm. Got me thinking, though, because golf, it stood for, you know, multiple things. And I was like trying to figure out what could rumors stand for? I, I don't know. I couldn't find anything right off the bat. Rear, upper, moms, only. Ride snakes. I'm a snake. snake. I'm a slithery snake. Call me golf rumors. Oh my God. All right. So let's get into your theories Thursday topic. I see down here you have Lake B, as in Bravo, written down. What is that about? So, my theories Thursday, I had to think about it. We recently covered Dogman and we went super deep into that cryptid. Mm-hmm. I was just like, so I cannot go with the cryptid again. I had to switch it up. I mean, you could. I wouldn't complain. I could have and probably would have made a decent episode. But then I'm just like, I did a spooky one with the exorcism, so I couldn't do that. So I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go with an unsolved murder. Ooh. The Lake Bodum murders. Have you heard of it? Never heard of them before. It is about four teenagers that went camping in Finland, and three of them were murdered with one surviving. And this has been unsolved for. 63 years? God dang. What are the police doing? Oh, they botched it up pretty badly, I'd say. Damn. But they did have a bunch of suspects. And honestly, I don't know, the suspects themselves, especially one of them, he could probably be an episode himself. And he has a very interesting name. But I'll mention him later. So first things first, we're going to hop into the story of the Lake Bodum murders. All right, let's hear it. I'm excited. So I'm going to try to set the scene here. Okay. 
It's the summer of 1960 in Finland. The weather's nice. The sky's clear. The weather is perfect for camping. Nice. And that is what 15-year-old Myler Melli and Anja Tulilicki, along with their 18-year-old boyfriend Seppo and Nils. Wait, they're boyfriends? They're boyfriends, 18 years old. Okay, so both of them were 18, so there's four total. There's four total, two 15-year-old girls, two 18-year-old boys. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. They decided to go camping in Espo along the shores of Lake Bodum. I know, just like you said, I was questioning the 15-year-olds going camping alone with two 18-year-old boys. But, you know, that's not the point of the story. Okay, not the point of the story. It's going to overlook the Epstein-ness. As I read, they tried to make it sound better saying, oh, Mila was turning 16 in a month. And I'm like, that doesn't make it sound better. And then they try to make it even sound even better saying, oh, these two 18-year-old boys, they're going to be going off in a month to army training. What, does that give them free reign to be weirdos? I'm guessing so. So they tried to make that sound okay. But here I will include a photo of what they look like. So from left to right, we have Anja, then Nils, then Myla, and then Seppo. That's from left to right, which this, like Aaron said. Hold up. Hold up. How old are these girls again? 15. 15? Now, I don't know if these are They look about 12 or 10 or 9 in this photo. Hey, it could be old photos. These are the only ones, really. Okay. Besides the point, anyway. Besides the point, I know. And it just sounds even worse when I say it this way. It was supposed to be considered a nice romantic getaway for the two couples. Oh, God. The campsite that they chose was one of the most popular places to camp, not hidden away in the woods, so it was able to be seen from the lake, you know, easy access to get to. So it's not like they were trying to hide what they were doing. Okay. The four of them arrived on Saturday evening of June 4th, 1960, and it was, like I said, clear skies, calm weather. It was perfect for camping. After the four of them getting there, they would settle in. They had their fun, camping around the fire, doing their thing. They decided to settle in for the night. Now, the next morning would be a scene that haunted all who would have came upon seeing it. At around 11 a.m. the following morning, a carpenter... All right, let me state this. I went through multiple websites. His name changed multiple times but they always said that he was a carpenter. So you're just going with a carpenter? I'm going with a carpenter. Okay. Now, he was swimming in the lake nearby when he swam past the campsite. He saw the tent on the shore, but realized that something was not normal about it. The tent was partially collapsed. So the carpenter decided to swim a little closer to try to get a better look at it. A little peeping Tom he was. Yeah. Okay. Now, as he got closer to the tent, he noticed that the tent was damaged severely it actually looked like it was torn to shreds. So as he's like swimming towards it, he's just thinking to himself, there was no storm, no strong winds yesterday, you know, or last night, it was super nice out. So why is their tent all messed up? So he's like, all right, I'm going to check it out. So he's, he called out to the people camping, heard nothing. By the time he reached the shore, that is when he noticed why no one would answer when he called out to him. The carpenter saw red splatter all over the place, realizing it was blood, and as he approached closer, he saw four bodies laying on the ground. Oh, shit. There were two bodies inside the tattered tent, one laying on the outside of the tent, and another laying just to the side of the one laying on the tent. And I have a picture of the tattered tent. Not with the bodies? Not with the bodies. Thank goodness. And again, if you want to see these photographs, just... 
go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and they will be there for you to take a look at. Yep. That is a tattered tent. And is the dark areas blood? I believe so. Oh. So when he noticed the bodies and he got closer, he realized that they were all covered in stab wounds. That was his hint to not get any closer to the you know, campsite, to pretty much the crime scene, and immediately made his way back to call the authorities. As the authorities arrived, just like the carpenter, they were greeted with a horrific crime scene of blood just everywhere. The two bodies inside the tent were of Anja and Seppo, and with the body laying on top of the tent being Myla. The only body left was that of Nils, who was laying outside of the tent, off to the side beside Myla, but not in the tent, of course. As they went around inspecting the bodies of the victims, they noticed that all of them had been stabbed and bludgeoned to death with something. As they kept inspecting the bodies, they finally made it over to Nils, who was, you know, off to the side a little bit. And when they checked his body, they were surprised. He was still alive, but barely. God dang, shouldn't that be like the first thing they should run and do? Everyone thought they were all dead, but they found out he was alive. So they rushed him to the hospital. They saw that he was suffering from multiple stab wounds a broken jaw, and most of the bones in his face were broken as well. Okay, and which one is that? Was that the one in the left or the right in that photograph? So he is the first one on the left. Okay, so he's the survivor. He's the spiked hair survivor. Okay. Hmm. Now, I don't know if that picture was taken, like, a little bit later on after this incident, because if you look, his face is kind of swollen on the left side. Yeah. So as Nils was getting medical care, the authorities kept inspecting the crime scene. They come to realize that they believed the attacks happened sometime around 4 to 8 a.m. in the morning. The killer had decided to attack the four of them from outside the tent, stabbing and hitting them through the tent as they were sleeping. That is why the tent is so tattered up. And as you can see, you think four of them inside that tent sleeping, it wouldn't be hard to, you know, not hit somebody. I mean, yeah, I don't want to say shooting fish in a barrel, but beating fish in a tent. Yeah. So that's why that tent was in that condition. They also noticed that Myla, the one that was laying on the outside of the tent, seemed to have been stabbed more than the rest. She was found, I hate to say this, she was found naked from the waist down oh, with more stab wounds, and they even realized that the killer kept stabbing her body even after she had already passed away. Now, with making a statement of her being naked from the waist down, they also believed that she was sexually assaulted. But that was not confirmed. This was just something that they believed happened because of her state. Okay. Now, as they kept inspecting the area, they discovered some other weird clues. For instance, they all arrived on two motorcycles. The motorcycles were still there, but the keys to the motorcycles were gone. Hmm. They don't know why. They don't know where they went. Now, Nils, the one that was rushed to the hospital, authorities discovered his shoes were over half a mile away from where they found the bodies and they were covered in blood. They don't know how they got there. Honestly, the first thing they thought was like the killer must have stole the shoes and wore them and took off. Or they beat the kids with them. Or beat the kids with them. Now, after finding those shoes, they actually discovered more uh, articles of clothing from the group that were covered in blood, and they were scattered all around the campsite in the forest in a, like a 500-meter radius. So whoever did this just started taking their clothes and just like scattering it everywhere. After this initial investigation, the authorities forgot to do one of the main things at a crime scene. They did not mark it off at all. Jesus. So curious people wanted to see what happened at the campsite, 
people actually showed up and walked up around that? What were the police doing? Were they gone? So that's something else I found out. The authorities, the cops, they actually included civilians in their investigation. They invited them in to the crime scene. It's like, hey, help us look for stuff. (laughs) My God. So that right there made me realize that if there was some, you know, clue that could have helped solve this case, who to say that the person that came to help wasn't the killer and then took that and left. So pretty much they don't know if they got all the evidence or not, Mm. which obviously I don't think they did since it's still unsolved. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Anyways, the authorities decided they needed to see if they could find any witnesses that could help them, you know, try to identify who did this or why it happened. Even though searching around the crime scene, they didn't have any answers whatsoever. They ended up finding that there were two boys who were out that morning birdwatching. Now, the two boys said that they did see the collapsed tent, but they also saw there was a tall blonde man walking away from the scene, but they didn't know what happened there So because they, they didn't see any blood or anything like that. They just saw the tent was down and saw someone standing there. So they just figured the tent collapsed and, you know, that was it. That someone was trying to fix the tent, they went on away, went on about their way, looking for birds. Okay. Now, they ended up waiting till Nils recovered enough to where he was actually finally coherent enough to actually be questioned. That took a while, which they ended up questioning him and found out that he only remembered very little of the incident, considering the attacker bludgeoned the hell out of everybody. So he obviously had some brain damage or memory loss. But he wasn't able to tell him anything? He was able to give them a brief description. He just remembered that they all decided to go to bed around 10.30 p.m. that night and that he was abruptly awoken up from the attack of his friends. Nils described the incident as being chaotic. The attacker was blindly attacking them from outside. And as the attack went on, Nils tried to get outside the tent to get a good look at the perpetrator. He said they were wearing all black clothing and oddly enough, Whoever or whatever it was had bright red eyes. Mothman. Now, Nils, stating that, he was just like, this had to be a supernatural figure. So authorities were just like, oh, he was trying to get a look at the attacker. And, you know, that's why he, we found his body outside the tent and not inside. And then they're just like, well, he must still be in like a state of shock or something. Yeah, that brain damage. Yeah. So they're just like, okay, you know, sure, that's who you saw, do you know why your girlfriend Mila was outside the tent as well? Did she try to escape? He had no clue. He's just like, I don't know why she was out there. So it's like, they're like, okay. Now, they ended up combining the two bird watching boys' description and Nils' description of the attacker together. And so all they really knew is that they were looking for a human, possibly a supernatural figure. Mothman. Yeah. So that's all they really had to go on, which was kind of like that was bad yeah it doesn't narrow it down to anything no so authorities started to make a list of suspects of people they could believe have committed this or would have any reason to do this which the list of suspects is very weird it's pretty much people they didn't or that the locals didn't really like it seemed oh my god yeah so that's where i get into the suspects all right the first suspect that they had was carl valdemar gilstrom now, he was known in the local community as the kiosk man because he owned and operated a nearby stall. A nearby what? Stall. Kiosk. Pretty much like a little shop. Okay. He'd be like, hey, smell this cologne. As you walked by, I'd be like, hey, you want your eyebrows? Uh, what do they do with the eyebrows? The, uh, 
Oh, they, they the do string. that. Yeah, that string thingy. I don't even know what it's called. I don't know what it's called either. Is that what he did? No, actually, he was more of an asshole. People were just like, even though he owned that kiosk and was selling stuff near Lake Bodum, and, you know, he always had campers coming in to buy stuff, he was a real a-hole. Hmm. He was always hostile towards people, and witnesses have reported him to authorities for cutting down people's tents and throwing rocks at hikers. My God. But that's, that's business coming there. Why would, he, why would he run away business? So Carl always complained about the amount of noise campers were making when they would come down to the lake and party their asses off. So I guess he's one of the locals that they're just like, you know, the campers, they bring business, but they're all a bunch of noisy, trashy people. They just trash the place. They don't care about the place and all that. So he's probably one of those protective locals. Okay. Not very liked. So yeah. people are like, hey, it's probably him. He probably did it. And the police were like, okay, good, good. And they wrote that name down. And supposedly some witnesses came forward saying that they saw Carl was lording around the area of the campsite where the teens were murdered at. So he was in the vicinity. So even though he was a confrontational type of person and was spotted in the area, they had no real evidence to put him at the scene of the crime. So no real evidence there. Okay. So authorities were satisfied with that decision of him not being involved with the murder and ended up letting him go. Now, here's a kicker. After he was let go, locals started complaining about Carl. For some odd reason, he was going around bragging about carrying out the killings when he got drunk. But then they also said that he was bragging about it when he was sober. So regardless, he was bragging about it. Yeah, he was saying like, you know what? Yeah, I did kill them kids. I did it. I wonder why he would do that. I don't know. But authorities never pursued the accusations any further, you know, than their initial interrogation of him. Do you think that maybe he really wasn't saying that and the locals just believed that he was the killer and that they were enraged by the police, you know, for letting him go? So they made up those rumors of him saying that to see if the police would go and arrest him again? I think so, because nine years later, he ended up taking his own life by drowning himself. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I'm guessing he had enough of the locals hating on him. Mm. Or maybe he felt guilt for murdering the children. Or he felt guilty for murdering them. Now, that's the first suspect. Okay. The next suspect is the very interesting one. And let me look up how to say his name correctly. Assman. Assman? Is that? Assman. Assman? Assman. That's how you say his last name? His name is Hans Assman. Okay. Now, he was a former alleged KGB spy that was living nearby. Hans stayed a suspect of interest all the way up till 2004 because he earned the reputation of being a recluse. And with the rumors of him being a KGB spy, he immediately was labeled a suspect of the murder of these teens. It's got to suck. You just want to move away and get away from everybody. The town's like, this guy's not talking to us. He obviously killed those kids. Yeah. Now, here's a picture of Carl. I forgot to mention that. I had a picture of Carl. But here's a picture of Hans Asman. The KGB guy. The KGB guy. Supposed KGB guy. Yeah, alleged KGB spy. Okay, yeah, he looks like a KGB guy. He looks like it. Now, this picture right here, this is going to come handy in, you know, a couple minutes. Okay. Now, like I said, he became a suspect. And what made him become a suspect even more was the fact that the day after the bodies were found, Hans Asman ended up in the hospital. They reported him having dirt under his fingernails and his clothes were covered in red stains. The hospital staff reported Hans as being nervous, but also aggressive. 
Authorities ended up bringing Hans in and questioning him briefly, but they ended up letting him go because he had a solid alibi for the time the murder supposedly took place. Now, even though Hans actually matched the description of the tall blonde man fleeing the scene that morning, not just that, but the clothes he was wearing that were covered in red stains, doctors even told authorities that it was definitely blood that was all over his clothes. So authorities, of course, went there to the hospital. They got his clothes, they packaged them up, and they sent them off for DNA testing, right? Well, they didn't have DNA testing back then. Oh. But, no, they did not take his clothes. Oh, Jesus. Yep. So they did not take his clothes. He had an alibi, and they're just like, all right, you're free to go. But after that, he ended up cutting his hair short after the newspaper reported on what the suspect looked like, blonde hair that was combed back, but that didn't matter, though. And then another fun fact was it that Hans Asman, mm-hmm. he's also linked to two other unsolved murder cases in Finland. Oh. So that's why I'm like, you know, he might be something to look into later on as a topic, possibly. Asman. Yep, Asman. So that was the second suspect. Okay. Now, there was another suspect who was a bearded man who approached a different carpenter, not the same one that found the kids, and asked for a cigarette. He was described as having a sly smirk on his face and had what appeared to look like droplets of blood on his sleeves and the chest of his light-colored shirt. The authorities began searching for this bearded fellow who was about 117 centimeters tall, normal-sized body, light brown hair, and blue eyes. That is when they found Polly Luoma. He was brought in for questioning. He had run away from a nearby work department around the same time of the murders. So he was supposedly in the vicinity of when the kids got murdered. Hmm. He was questioned by the police as a suspect, but was later released. But he did say that he was staying in a town outside of Helsinki at the time of the murders going off his alibi. Okay. So that was the third suspect. Now, the fourth suspect, Penty. I'm just going to call him Penty. I don't know how to say his last name. So Penty had been convicted of a number of different violent crimes during the 1960s. It was only during his time in jail that he confessed to another inmate he was the one behind the Lake Bodum murders. He was just trying to get cred. Yeah, so Penty claimed that he was residing in that area at the time of the murders, but the authorities didn't really believe in his confession considering they believed he had a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Which, just like Carl, Penty ended up taking his own life in 1969 as well. Damn. Did he drown as well? No, he hung himself. Oh, good Lord. Now, there's one final suspect. Okay. But... Before I get into that suspect, there is a fact that I want to talk about that concerns Nils. Remind me who Nils is again, the kid? He's, he's the lone survivor. Okay, Nils is the lone survivor. All right. So since he had a tough time recalling the events of what happened, he decided to do hypnosis. So he wanted to try and recall what happened that night. Now, I couldn't find the video of his hypnosis, but there was a, a transcript of it, but it wasn't finished. Someone did try to translate it, which they said that Finnish is kind of weird to translate to English. Some things just don't match up. Now, it is a long transcript, so I'm not going to read exactly what goes on. I'm just going to sum it up real quick. Okay. So, Neil states that he did have some alcohol to drink that night, but they didn't finish the bottle. Now, it was just Nils and Seppo that ended up drinking. The girls supposedly did not have any. Now, Nils and Seppo decided to head to the beach early morning. Seppo was going to try to catch some fish for breakfast, and Nils was going to go for a swim. The water was too cold, 
so Nils didn't go swimming. He just sat beside Seppo, who was trying to fish, which he wasn't having any luck. So Nils got tired and was just like, you know what? I'm heading back to camp. So he headed back to camp. Seppo stayed behind trying to catch fish. And they ended up eating breakfast and Seppo returned from fishing. And they all decided to go back to sleep for a bit. Now, Nils said that he just remembered waking up hearing screams, wasn't able to see clearly because he had blood in his eyes. Then he was able to get some vision back and described the attacker as having blonde hair, mid-sized, round face, and he had a dark sweater on. His hair was long and combed backwards. The sweater was green and black, but checkered. After giving the description, they were able to make a couple sketches of what the suspect looked like, which I have that have those couple sketches. All right, let's take a look at them. Oh, my God. Now, they're not, not the best, but... Come on. <laughs> who does that look like? they just walk into town and say, who can draw faces really good? Some guy in the corner is like, oh, I like drawing. They just grab him and say, hey, draw what this kid's describing. I'll ask this. Looking at those sketches, who does it most likely resemble? KGB guy. KGB guy. So, yeah, those are the couple sketches, which I did find out. I'm just like, you know, why would they wake up so early in the morning and take a nap. That and didn't like go fishing and such. And then I realized after I looked into it, during the summers of Finland, nighttime doesn't last long at all. Mm-hmm. So on June 5th of 1960, the sun set at 2.27 a.m. and then rose at 4.02 a.m. Damn. So it was only nighttime for like less than two hours, it seemed. You get that vitamin D all day long. So that's how they got the sketches. So now on to the final suspect, which can you guess who it is? It's Nils. Nils. So with that being said, Nils was the last suspect and he wasn't brought in until 2004. What? To be questioned as a suspect. Here's like a 2004 photo of Nils. Okay, I'm interested in seeing this. He's just like, why am I here? He's leaning back. He's like, fuck. Yeah. Here we go again. So he was arrested and brought to trial. The authorities said that they suspected Nils all along, and now, now they had the proof they needed. Because in 2004, they finally had DNA testing. Oh. Now, another kicker was, as soon as they did arrest Nils, and they, you know, brought him in, supposedly one of the officers said that Nils said to him, and I quote, what's done is done. I'll get 15 years. So, with that, the new ways of forensic evidence testing they went back and tested Neil's shoes that were covered in blood. The ones that were half a mile away? Covered in blood, yes. Damn. So they were able to find out that the other three teens' blood were on the shoes, except for Neil's. His blood was not found on the shoes, making them believe that whoever had the shoes on had killed the others. Makes sense. The prosecution came up with a scenario that they believe occurred. They were all drinking that night, and... They said that they did find alcohol in the blood of each kid, even the girls. Even though Neil said that the girls didn't have any in his hypnosis. So everybody was hitting the sauce. So everyone seemed to be hitting the sauce. And that Nils got was the drunker of them all and started a fight with the others. He was exiled from the tent. They told him to get the F out. You know, a little while later, Seppo, the other kid, the other guy, tried to go out and talk to Nils to get him to calm down, you know, like, hey, chill out and such. They ended up getting into a fight. 
So Seppo ended up hitting Nils, which is how Nils supposedly got a fractured jaw and some of his facial bones broken, which caused Nils to walk off pissed off and pretty much in pain. Seppo then returned to the tent and they all went to sleep, leaving Nils outside all alone. Now, with Nils being pissed off and drunk, he decided to get back at them, coming back with a knife and something blunt. He started attacking them through the tent, stabbing all of them and bludgeoning them all. Then after killing them, Nils decided to make it look like someone else attacked him, so he ended up stabbing himself, moving his shoes over half a mile away, and then returning to where he lay down beside Myla, his girlfriend. The prosecution tried to use the testimony evidence of the two birdwatching boys, their claim of seeing a man leaving the area. They think that they saw Nils. Leaving the area to dispose of his shoes. Yeah, so when they said blonde hair, I guess Nils had like the darker blonde hair, you know, like yours. Hmm. Now, sadly, this story didn't stick. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but the defense, Nils' defense dismissed the story claiming that if Nils did sustain those injuries from fighting Seppo, he would have been too injured to go back and viciously murder his friends and girlfriend. And on top of that, he would have to walk over half a mile round trip to drop the shoes off and then come back and then lay there and pretend to be dying. So obviously the defense won the trial and a year after he was arrested, being 2005, Nils was acquitted of all charges and was actually awarded around $59,000 or 45,000 euros for mental anguish of his arrest. So no other suspects or evidence has been found and the Lake Bodum murders would still be considered Finland's most horrifying and longest unsolved crime to date. Well, what do you think? Who, who killed him? I'm thinking Nils. You think Nils did it? If it's not Nils, it's Hans Osman, Asman, whatever his name is. But I think it was Nils because considering, yeah, some of their clothes were scattered and all that, only Myla seemed to be naked from the waist down. And I'm thinking with Nils being drunk and pissed off, he attacked her. That's why she was outside the tent. The other two were still inside the tent. I think you're right. Honestly, I believe that he didn't stab himself multiple times until he got back after dropping off the shoes. Because if he stabbed himself multiple times, he probably would have bled on the way there. They would have saw blood trails. And he probably would have bled on his own shoes. So he waited to get back, stabbed himself. And I think they did try to skim the lake to see if they could find a weapon. They never did find a knife, like no blunt weapon. They never found any of the weapons, nothing at all. Never found the motorcycle keys? Never found the motorcycle keys. Hmm. I'm going to have to agree that I think it's Niels. I mean, because some people believe that Hans did it. Hans Asman did it because he looked like the description, which I mean, the sketches did look like him. But the sketches all came from Niels' description. And Niels could have been making it up. Yeah, and I mean, and also they tried to use the fact that Hans was a recluse and he was KGB, allegedly, and he was linked to two other murders. So he was like the perfect escape goat, mm. which I think Nils, after a while, knew that Hans was used as a suspect. So in his description of being going through hypnosis, because I honestly don't believe that he fully did it. It's just a transcript of it. So we don't really have proof that he did do it. Fully got hypnotized? Yeah. Okay. So he was able to describe Hans perfectly, almost. He's like, ooh, this is a perfect opportunity to get the blame and the thing off of me. I'm going to describe this other guy. Yeah, and honestly, it definitely wasn't Carl. He does not match the description, in my opinion. And granted, he might have 
tore up the tents and threw rocks at hikers, messing with them. But he was a local. Why would he go through and want to kill the kids? They, they bring the business. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you as well on this one and say it was Neil's. And honestly, it just doesn't look like Nils had any sympathy. No. Well, if you or a loved one would like to add to this theory and you think it's someone else or you have additional evidence to support your theory or, you know, another murderer being attached to this or something else, send us an email to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com or Dan, D-A-N, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. And we would love to hear your theory and your opinion as to uh, who this could have been. Yeah, if you have any additional information, any research that you found on it, definitely let me know because this one, going through it, I was very intrigued by it for the fact that it's still unsolved. And honestly, the authorities, I hate when the authorities botch up investigations like that. Yeah. Especially they allowed civilians to come in and help them look for evidence. It looked like they went to the kindergarten class and got them to do the sketches of the person. Yeah. That one sketch on the bottom right, it looks like the, um, you know that game Ark that we used to play? That default <laughs> character? That's yeah. what it looks like. It does. But honestly, even the bottom right and the bottom left, see, kind of the top right, they look like Hans. The top left looks like somebody, <laughs> it looks like I tried to do a portrait of somebody. It's horrible. I mean, it's probably better than what I could do. Anyway, thank you for your theories Thursday this week, Dan. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I just, that's the bad thing. I love these unsolved like murders and stuff, but I want to solve them. Yeah, we need to go there with a metal detector and scan the area. Like, it's crazy that no one found the murder weapons or anything. Makes me think that Niels might have returned back to the location and maybe grabbed the uh, other items that he might have scattered throughout the area that the police didn't find and really take them away from that area and discard them for good. I almost forgot because I at first thought about this. There should have been another suspect, the guy that found it. That oh, reported yeah, it. the carpenter. He could have done something. Like, he could have been the attacker for all we know. Yeah, well, we know he's a peeping Tom. Peeping Tom and, you know, the fact that he f was first on the scene, it seems like, and they couldn't find any weapon, no motorcycle keys. Maybe he's just like, damn, they'll impound these motorcycles and then I'll come get them later. I have the keys. <laughs> this ain't freaking gone in 60 seconds. It could be. Gone in 60 years. Still unsolved. That's how they solve the mystery. He goes to finally get his motorcycles at the age of 90. Yeah. And catch them. I mean, he could be the one. Like, you never know. He reported and everything. And like, oh, he reported it. He can't be a suspect. He just found it. Maybe it was the bird watchers. The two boys? Yeah. Could have been. Damn. The world may never know world may never know. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add for your Theories Thursday topic? Nope. That is it. All right. So that's the end of our Theories Thursday topics. Now, before we end the episode, we're going to get a little bit into free talk. There's a couple things I want to discuss. The first one being Taylor Swift. I saw you had Taylor Swift as an extra. Well, it says, it says extra, and then it says Swift. All right. I cannot be the only one who thinks this. Every time I go on any social media, which is rare, but anytime I do, I see nothing but Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift that. Taylor Swift this. And then whenever I watch TV, which is rare, 
All they talk about is Travis Kelsey this, Travis Kelsey that. Every single commercial, Travis Kelsey. I've never seen him before. So, of course, we learned that Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift are dating. Yeah, of course, that's like the number one thing on ESPN is like, are they still together? And then she's going to all these football games. Yeah. And I can't help but think that the entire thing is all made up as a way to not only promote the NFL along with the Chiefs, but also to help promote Taylor Swift and the tour that she's doing, the Eras tour, whatever the hell it is. I don't know, man. I, it just doesn't sit right with me. And then every time you try to look it up to try to find information about it, no blogs or anything is talking about it or covering it. I mean, how can Travis Kelsey be featured in so many commercials right after they come out and say they're dating? It's like this was all planned. Like he previously recorded all those commercials. They started to get pushed the same time that the media picked up the story that those two were supposedly dating. I just think it's a giant PR stunt like Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think the NFL is, you know, or they're piggybacking off of the whole Taylor Swift thing. I mean, you got to think that's an entire fan base. Exactly. That is now watching football that usually wouldn't. And majority of the time, the household spenders are women. That's a fact. According to data, like 80% of household spenders are women. They make the financial decisions. So NFL was like, cha-ching, we're missing out. Yeah, because then the women would be like, hey, I want to go to the football game. Might be able to see Taylor Swift. The husband's like, Fuck yeah. Like, oh, I mean, if we want to go, we can. You know, that's cool. But I mean, you granted, when we went to go see the new Exorcist movie. Which sucked, by the way. It sucked. When we were walking out, People were coming in dressed in Taylor Swift merch, going into the theater to watch the concert in there. Yeah, because the tickets, I think, were so much. Or they couldn't get tickets, or they just wanted to see the concert in the theater, which the concert tickets for the worst one is like 1200 to two grand for the worst tickets. Insane. And from what I hear, no one was really sitting down. They were all up like they were at the concert. Oh, in the theater? In the theater. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I'm just like, if they're willing to pay to go to see that in theaters, they're going to pay to try to go see her in person, even if it's just a seer. But yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't put it past them that this entire Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift shit is just all made up to not only promote Taylor Swift, but also the NFL. What's crazy is that I'm pretty sure every Chiefs game now, the cameras always go up to the, the box, the VIP box, just to see if. Taylor Swift is there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we're trying to watch a football game. Yeah. Which I don't really watch the NFL. I just watch college football. Yeah, I'm getting more into college football than NFL. I love college football. Speaking of that, the, uh, the playoff rankings were released yesterday or the day before? Day before. Yeah. A lot of questionable uh, rankings in there. Yeah. But anyways. All right. Do you have any... Thing that you want to discuss before we roll this episode out? Mm, not really. All right. Well, if you or a loved one have any evidence that proves that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are not dating and it's a marketing ploy, or if you have proof of who killed these three kids in Finland, or if you have proof about what golf rumors really is, please send us an email and we would love to hear from you. But with that being said, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you 
for all of your support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. With that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. <laughs>